Welcome to Fictionless, a podcast founded on open dialogue and curious minds. This is the final part of a conversation between Ben Davis and me. He's a runner on the Amherst track team and plans to major in neuroscience. In this episode, we discuss meditation, dreams, and the connection between focus and vision. So I said, um, I'm not very creative right now. And you don't think it's like state specific? No, I, I definitely do. Okay. But just like my whole life, like I've never thought about it like that. Like I've never, I never thought, I've never like tried to think of something creative and then been like, huh, like I guess I'm just like, I'm not creative right now. Like in my head, I'll just be like, oh, like I just can't think of this. Right. Like I don't think about the state I'm in. I either think, okay. I think about I think about what I can or can't do in, right. a, in a given moment. Well, like, I right. can't focus or I can't focus. Not like, like right now my state is like semi-alert. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, I do. And um, yeah, I do know what you mean. But I, like, there are times where like I have flown with ideas. Super creative. I could do like, I could bring up five different things, connect them. And, and there are other times where I'm just like, it my juices aren't flowing like I got nothing up, up like a, like in between my ears like there's nothing here and that's like you know what I mean yeah I mean, th- that's fair but like at least like the way I've had to think about it just because of like school and stuff like you can't like I'm doing an assignment I can't just be like yeah like I'm not creative right now I'm just gonna close my computer instead I'm just gonna sit there and wait for something to come up okay. in my head. Yeah. Or, or somehow find a way to push myself into that right. creative state. Yeah. Like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to accept. Yeah. I will also say, me saying that wasn't an admission of defeat. It was just labeling what's data meant. So I was just like, okay, I'm probably I'm going to need to work a little harder. It wasn't, oh, I can't yeah, do yeah. it right now. It was like, oh, it's a little harder for me right now. Um, it'll take in me an extra moment. So, like, don't, like, necessarily criticize myself and just, like, yeah, yeah. continue with it. But, yeah, I agree, like, so, so um, psychologically, like, can't admit defeat because then, obviously, self-fulfilling prophecy. So, I'm like, oh, I'm not creative right now. And, and I kind of leave it there. Like, it's kind of creating the prophecy that I'm trying to avoid. Right. But at the same time, I feel like it can be helpful to be, like, self-aware in that way. Yeah, yeah. Because then you know... If you have that freedom, like if you're not doing an assignment and you just are trying to find things to do with your time, if you could know what state you're in, that can help you decide what you can do best right now. Yeah, no, actually. Like if you're not creative right now, you can close your computer and just go work out. Right, right. You know, I, um, that's a skill, like that's a self-awareness skill that I've definitely cultivated through meditation. It's a level of stepping back and being, um, it's like a holistic mindset where you like kind of, you, you compare this current state to everything else, but it requires you kind of being one step removed from all of the sensations and the thoughts that you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a moment, that's like a state you're only in when you try to meditate. And I find when I meditate and the more consistent I am at meditating, that's a state that I can jump in and out of quickie, more, more quicker. 
Yeah. So, um, it's a good way to transition. Yeah. And it's a good way. It's a really good way to, to live life because you're super rational and you, it, it in more sense, you have more efficiency and control of what you're doing mm-hmm. because it's like, it's like you're a, you're a mouse in a puzzle. And or in a, a maze, and if you're just kind of like running through the maze and like, oh, this is a turn, go, oh, this is a turn. You kind of like really plugged low in life, mm-hmm. and you're just responding to like impulses and inputs. Versus if you're like a little step back and slow, and you're like, okay, I went down this maze before. Where how did it turn out? Like okay, I, I took a left this time, and maybe I should probably take a right. And it's a little more conscious, aware, and like understanding where you are yeah so it's super high level but <laughs> yeah. but i mean that it's important also to note that you can't do that all the time because that yeah. takes a lot of energy it does it to really have does. that kind of awareness it does so then it's another skill you have to build which is when do i go into like this meditative <laughs> state and when do i not yeah it's another level step back of when you decide between the step back first or the step back second. <laughs> exactly <laughs> um no but it is you're right and it's funny like on some of the stuff I've read, like the podcasts we both listen to, what I've heard is there are also different types of meditation yeah. you can do based on your current state already. Yeah. So first you have to do like a quick meditation to figure out what state you're in, right, right. whether you're like focused more internally or externally. And then you have to meditate in the opposite way of the state you're in right now. So if right now I'm like, I'm so focused externally, like, I'm just thinking about like all the things that are going to happen in the future. Like I just, there's so many thoughts running through my head about things that are outside of my control. Then that's time to do like the more of the internal meditation where you're just focusing on your breathing, kind of letting those thoughts go away. Right. But if you're in a state where you're too focused on internally and like how your body's feeling, that can actually also be a bad thing. If you're trying to do work or trying to do something where your focus needs to be away from yourself. And then in that case, you actually want to meditate in a way where you're focusing outside of your body yeah. and letting more of the outside thoughts come in so you're not as focused on your own body. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, like pretty much going, going against whatever state you're in right now yeah, is how you right, meditate. Right, and that makes sense. It's pushing back against something. Right, right. And, um, I mean, it's practice and it's getting better, which, which it, again, it makes sense. Personally... Um, the meditation that I've done is it's mainly to practice inhibition, to practice stopping thoughts and letting go of things and just existing and not being caught up with any like ideas. Because I really think the one thing I lack personally is being able to stop or slow down mm-hmm. or to, um, at least a skill I really want to cultivate is, is being able to choose what ideas and thought paths I go down so when I meditate I'll sit I'll do it in the morning usually and I will practice just letting things come in acknowledging it and then let like deliberately like releasing and not going down the thought path and kind of just letting it come in and out and go away and I find when I do that in the morning at night that same day I'll be 30 times better at that skill than if I didn't meditate in the morning wow because the, the brain's so neuroplastic that it really depends what you do and it really dictates how effectively you do things. Um, so just practicing it just a little bit, like five, 10 minutes a day, 
really changes how effective you can you could pull that skill out. Yeah, definitely. And another cool thing was, this is a little tangential. I was listening to a podcast recently about why we sleep, huh. and or, or why we dream. Um, and this guy, uh, I think his name is David Eagleman. He thinks that we we dream to preserve our visual cortex. Hmm. Pretty weird. Um, so there are a bunch of studies that if you like that blind people, um, they will recruit the area in their visual cortex, their occipital lobe for sound, for sound. Exactly. And, um, the next evolution of that is people who have, who have vision. If they close their eyes blindfold on and they do a braille task where they need to learn braille or they do some type of auditory task, um, Brain scans show that they start recruiting space, start recruiting power from their visual cortex, like within five ten minutes. Mm. So this guy's thought process with that in the background was, you know, if we lose, if if it, we we recruit the power in the visual cortex so quickly, we're sleeping for eight hours, and we know that REM sleep pounds the visual cortex. So his thoughts is that you know we dream. When we dream, it's, you know, just the back end of our processing system trying to put together all the random, like, activity in our visual cortex just to keep the visual cortex alive and moving. Yeah, that's super cool. I, it's funny, I've always wondered what makes some people remember their dreams more than others. Like, I just don't remember any of the dreams I have. Like, I wake up, be like, wow, it was a crazy dream, and then within three seconds I'll totally forget what the dream is about yeah whereas some people will remember their dreams like for weeks yeah you know I, I, I bet it has a lot to do with do you encode it when you're awake so like right when you wake up do you go oh that was a crazy dream and then kind of do your normal thing and let it go away or some people um, relive the dream while they're awake they're like oh, what, oh that was crazy I was I was in a bathtub and I was like painting with Michelangelo, but then all of a sudden we fell through the bathtub and then I was like cooking with my mom and she had horns. Like, a, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that was good. Now, now you have uh, your cre- creativity. Yeah, creativity. <laughs> um, juices are flowing, man. That's why. Um, yeah, so, but like, I, I really think when you go through it and you encode yeah. it when you're conscious, there's not that like sweeping program that kind of takes it away or yeah. just doesn't encode it, right? Mm-hmm. But you just don't even encode it. Um, yeah. You know, this is super, super high level and just a guess. But my guess is you probably don't encode the memories uh, when you're dreaming because it, you know, it doesn't have evolutionary help. Like it, it doesn't really make sense to encode mm-hmm. them. You're, that that the hippocampus probably isn't on. But when you're awake and you kind of follow the, the activity path, that's when your hippocampus starts writing it down. Yeah, like when you're replaying. Yeah, so yeah. it's not that you're like encoding it, but you're just replaying it, and naturally, because you're awake, your your encoding system right. on. Yeah, I, that's super cool. I think going back to the the whole visual thing, um, it's cool because in the work I'm doing this summer, when people have the EEG on, you can see how much brain activity is devoted to eyes and eye movements like the second someone closes their eyes the waves are completely different yeah on the EEG wow and I think 
I mean, there are obviously re- like reasons why vision is so important. Um, but I think it's also connected to different states of being. Like when you close your eyes, not only um, are you just blocking out all the sensory information, it's also telling your body to go into a different state. Yeah. Um, like more of like a parasympathetic state. Right. Um, and yeah, I think it's cool that like the meditation can play on that on changing the visual system um in order to change your state yeah like just by focusing on something and really dialing in you can actually amp yourself up just by using your eyes yeah that's really cool we should try that before a race yeah um, and actually that's it's funny you brought that up i was listening to another podcast about um someone who does um research about like kind of performance uh, but also like mindsets. Yeah. Um, you know the name? I think I don't know the name. I'll okay. have to get back to you. But okay. I think she was saying that they they did, like maybe not maybe they didn't do eye tracking. Maybe it was kind of a survey for long distance runners and sprinters, um, and <laughs> sorry he's uh yeah I just took a sip um of the ketone IQ, tastes like olives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um okay yeah but uh so they did surveys on uh long distance runners and sprinters kind of asking them like where do you like put your visual focus during races right and what the sprinters will do is that they'll be locked in on the finish line yeah. from start to finish um but the long distance runners like people who are doing like the 5k's yeah. 10k's what they often say is that they'll do the first half of the race kind of dilating their, their visual field. So, you know, not really locked in, kind of just trying to stay relaxed. Right. Um, just working off of other people. Yeah. Not really, you know, zoned Focusing, in right? on one visual point. Right. But then at about halfway, what they'll do is they'll switch okay. to a more, like, fixated vision, right. um, more narrow, like, narrow field. Yeah. And especially at the end, and that's why you see a lot of people have different types of kicks yeah. for distance running. A lot of that has to do with, like, if there's someone ahead of you, like a target. Um, and it was interesting to see that for the sprinters, you could direct that visual focus for, what, 10 seconds just because, like, it's only energy expenditure for 10 seconds. But the long-distance runners, you have to Conserve, kind of decide yeah. when you want to change your visual field um because like thinking and being really focused takes energy not only the running they're doing but the focus they have to put into their running um that takes a lot out of you as well yeah um and for me that that like when i listened to that i feel like that explained um the way i felt during like my racing this spring which is that what i learned in the 800 is that i love to do the first lap kind of just cruising like trying to stay as relaxed as possible and then once I hit the second lap because I you know kind of saved my mental and physical energy in the first lap then I can really zone in yeah and that zoning in I can only keep for like 45 seconds yeah to a minute um so it's like I feel like when people say yeah like you have one move you can make in this race like and for distance coaches like a lot of times they say you know like in, a, in an 800 you have one move in a mile you have 
like one or two moves in a 5k with three moves they're referring just to like you know the energy it takes to to kick and move past someone but also the the mental energy it takes to be like okay like i'm gonna go around this person i'm gonna go faster and i'm gonna have to keep it up right um so yeah i mean that's just i feel like it's almost like going back to what we were talking about it's almost like a meditation yeah while you're racing right right that's really cool and I, you know, I like what you said about the the focus on your eyes. Is it narrow focus, a little more open? Yeah. And I think one of my personal critiques for how caffeine impacts me mm-hmm. is it very really narrows my focus. Um, it narrows my eyesight. So like if I do, if I want some energy, it it to use caffeine, it really needs to be the type of experience or focus where I'm dialed completely in on the one thing. And it's not just general energy where I'm kind of living my day doing a bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, and my goal is to find an alternative energy source where, like, I'm a little more open and I'm a little more, um, less focused on one thing and it's more clearer. Like, uh, like what, what potential energy source? <laughs> like ketone IQ. <laughs> um, that's great. I think we did a good job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm excited for round two at some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Illusion into the future. Oh.